Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Wednesday, January the 31st in the year of our Lord 2024. We're at the end of January already. So we're getting closer and closer to Christmas, which of course is December the 25th. But today is a really important day on Law and Gospel because it's going to be talking about one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible, Proverbs chapter 31. This is the words of King Lemuel. We heard a little bit about him last week as he gave advice to kings, elders in the church, leaders in the church. But in the last part of Proverbs 31, he talks about a woman who really trusts the Lord. So without further ado, let's take a look. Beginning with verse 10. An excellent wife, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. This verse opens the poem with a question about the ideal wife, and it's followed by a statement of her worth. She is compared to jewels. And so what Proverbs is doing is immediately signaling that this woman is wise because the priceless treasure of wisdom is more is worth more than jewels. That's found in Proverbs 3:15 and 8:11. So if she's far more precious than jewels, she has the wisdom of Jesus Christ. Verse 11, the heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. See, this shows that her husband places great trust in her and she delivers that trust by bringing him like the spoils of war. It may be a reference to chapter 1, verse 13, where a gang of sinners seeks to entice a young man to join them and divide the spoils that they have gained from their crimes. But the poet is indicating that a young man should instead be joined to a virtuous wife, since she will give him better benefits than those of the outlaw gang. And so there's no doubt about it. A godly Christian wife, uh, like I have in Louise, is really worth it. Verse 12 continues. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. This drives home the virtue of how good a wife she is. She brings no evil, but only good for a lifetime. The phrase, all the days of her life, points to eternal life through faith. 
in contrast to others who are sinful. And this leads to a premature and everlasting death for those members themselves. Verse 13, she seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. Now this is the theme of handcrafts that runs throughout this poem. The godly wife begins by searching for wool and flax. These are the raw materials of the textile process. Her hands are eager to work, and therefore she is doing what needs to be done in the household. Verse 14, she is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from her far, and she rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. Now, these two verses show the wife's industriousness in providing for her family. She doesn't only give them what is convenient for her to obtain, but she finds them food from distant places. She does not feed them only what is convenient for her, but rises early to feed her entire household, including the servants. How many times wives get up early to get to the grocery store or even further stores to get what is needed for the household. She emulates the one who came not to be served, but to serve. Once more, we see the wife as a parallel to Jesus Christ, for he gave his life as a ransom for many. Matthew 20, 28, and John 13. So that's what verses 14 and 15 are talking about. Verse 16, she considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. This shows that she's a good business person. She's skilled at obtaining real estate and in making enough profit to plant a vineyard. Abilities often associated with men in the Old Testament and New Testament, although the bride in the Song of Songs also labors in a vineyard. And you know who that bride is, the godly wife is none other than the church, a capable counterpart to her husband as the church is to Jesus Christ. In other words, the wife metaphorically is like the disciples of Christ, labors in God's vineyard as found in Matthew 20, 21, John 15, 
and 1 Corinthians 9, verse 7. Verse 17, she dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. Now, those normally deal with males, the attributes, but she has them also. It depicts her in terms similar to that of a warrior as she arms for battle with her waist girded and her arms freed of constraints that would hinder movement. She's dressed like that soldier Paul talks about with the shield of faith and, of course, the sword. She could be compared to Solomon's bride in the Song of Songs, sometimes described with military imagery and with terminology that can also apply to her husband. Likewise, in the New Testament, the church militant can be described as the virgin bride of Christ, as an army of male virgins. Verse 18, she perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. Well, this again shows her industriousness. She's working 24 hours a day. At times when I have been ill and during the night wake up and maybe need a pill, I have a phone that gets a hold of her. She comes into the room and takes care of my needs. She also fulfills her domestic duty by keeping the household lamps burning throughout the night. In the dark nights of ancient Palestine, there was no public lighting on the night streets, and houses would be especially dark in the middle of the night. But the wife often had the duty to make sure the household's oil lamps were filled with enough oil to last the night so that those who rose during the night could find their way around the house without stumbling and injuring themselves. By the way, Jesus also uses this language as a metaphor. The church is to keep her lamps brightly burning through faith so that all may see by her light, which is Christ, the light of the world. And this is found a number of times in the New Testament. Verse 19, she puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. Now, what does that mean? This returns to the theme of handcrafts. The woman is skilled in the use of distaff and spindle, devices used to spin fibers into thread and yarn. So in those days, 
she would make the clothing for the family because there were not a lot of clothing shops that you could go to. And that's what she does. Verse 20, she opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. Well, this shows that a faithful wife is just not faithful in the home, but she shows her compassion to the poor and needy, just as a wise man is called to do. Why does she do that? Because she has the wisdom of God and therefore has compassion on the poor and she imitates Christ's provision for the poor. This act becomes part of her service to God as indicated by the fact that she stretches out her hand. The most common use of the combination of this verb and noun is to signify prayer to God. That's how she opens her hand to the poor, through prayer. And many a time, a godly wife will pray for those in the hospital, those who are sick, and of course, at church. Verse 21 and 22. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Now, what's that talking about? It returns again to the fact that this time she makes products for her family, warm clothes for them in the cold winter. That's why she's not afraid of the snow. And when the children leave the household, they may have boots on, warm clothes, shirts, and covers. She has fine clothing and even bedspreads for her bed. Her clothes of our, are of the highest quality. They're fine linen and value. They're purple. That was a very expensive dye used for royal clothing. In fact, these clothes furnish the garments worn by the rich man in Luke 16. And they are named as luxury items in Revelation 18. Remember Lydia? She was a godly woman who sold purple cloth, Acts 16, verse 14. The fine linen is white in color and bright. And by the way, it's the cloth of the garments given to the faithful followers of Jesus Christ in Revelation 3, 
since the baptized are clothed with Christ himself. There's no doubt the garments of salvation and the robe of righteousness are being referred to as in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 10. When she makes bread spreads, verse 22, these are mentioned in only one other passage in the entire Old Testament. Proverbs 7.16, where the adulterous woman mentions her bedspreads to entice unwitting young men into her bed. In contrast to that passage, the faithful woman, the Christian woman, manufactures bedspreads for her herself and her husband within the sacred context of marriage god's blessing rests upon the entire relationship of the couple including their intimacy verse 23 her husband is known in the gates where he sits among the elders of the land. This verse picks up the hint of the presence of the husband. He has an honored position among the leaders of the community, in part because of her accomplishments in the family. The city gate, of course, is the place where elders would gather to conduct transaction of businesses and decide legal cases. And they were to be adjudicated according to God's word. In Ruth 4, the elders of Bethlehem gathered at the city gate to settle a matter that involved marriage, inheritance, and redemption. Again, pointing to the importance that Christ has given to us. Verse 24. After her husband is known in the gates where he sits among the elders of the land, she makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. This expands further on the benefit that this faithful wife brings on the household because she has commercial enterprises providing funds for the entire family. In fact, her work is so highly prized that the merchants accept her merchandise for resale. Verse 25, strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. See, this verse shows she not only is clothed with the best of clothing, but also with fine virtues. Her honor and strength, where does it come from? It comes from God. And so she can laugh in the days to come 
for she knows that her future is in his hands and that no one can match or snatch her out of his hands. Verse 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Well, this certainly speaks of how she speaks wisely, not only to her husband, but also instructing her children as the father does to his sons in Proverbs 1 to 9. She's a capable counterpart to her husband. Scripture's depiction of God's pleasing roles of women often transcend just gender distinctions. Verse 27, she looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. This verse emphasizes again how industrious she is. She keeps a watchful eye on the conduct of her household and also watches herself so that she is not lazy and unproductive. Verse 28, her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. This is due to the woman's contribution to the family. We see in many movies, movies how close the children are to the mother. They give her praise. They acknowledge her value. In fact, her greatest praise is spoken by her family, but also is spoken by her Lord, welcoming her into the gates of the new Jerusalem. That is the kingdom of God. Verse 29. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Yes, this is what I as a husband and many other husbands say about their Christian wives. She surpasses any other woman that we know. In a similar way, Solomon and the women of his court utter the highest praise and acclaim that God is blessed forever. Verse 30, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. This begins the poet's final observations about the ideal wife. Her observ observation of the fleeting nature of physical appearance heightens his praise of a woman who trusts in God, in Jesus Christ, and who perseveres in faith and she is, until she is called to the fullness of everlasting life. So charm is beautiful, and so is beauty, 
but she's really praised because she trusts the Lord. The final verse of Proverbs in the entire book, verse 31, give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. This verse ends Proverbs with the poet urging husbands not only to praise their wives, but also to reward their wives. Their accomplishments are to be acknowledged, not only in the family, but also in the public. Praise at the city gates by the elders was the most highest and prominent praise because it would be present for the leaders and the wisest men. In fact, it places the wife in the same position of honor as her husband. As the poet began his poem with a reference that was applied to Ruth, so now he ends it, which may be another allusion to her. For Ruth to receive the blessing of the elders of the city gates of Bethlehem and the blessing by the women in Bethlehem. That blessing was fulfilled as a foreign woman converted to faith became an ancestress of King David and of King Solomon, the author of most of Proverbs, as well as the son of David, the savior of all believers, Jewish and Gentile alike. What a tremendous way to end a book of the Bible, Proverbs. And I pray you've learned a lot about the faithful woman, which many of us have. Join us tomorrow for more on Law and Gospel. Until then, God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.